So they bring it in, they look at it, and they say, yeah, you got a tiny little nail on the tire. We got to plug it. And I had told them, I don't want it plugged. I want it patched. I learned that from the car doctor. Have you ever heard of Ron and Anian? <laughs> a plug isn't really necessarily safe. The car doctor. Some filters will go the distance. Some filters will go longer. But to just randomly say that all filters meet a 10,000-mile interval is wrong. It's erroneous. You're not doing the vehicle any good. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. That 24-7 Car Doctor phone number is now live right into the studio. 855-560-9900. You can get a hold of us here. We're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. But other than that, you can call and leave a message. Executive producer Tom Ray will pick it up. And uh, after you leave a message at 855-560-9900 and get you back in here in the queue for the next live broadcast, which, like I said before, is Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was three TPMS cars in the shop at RA Automotive this week that just redefined the things that can go wrong with TPMS, tire pressure monitoring systems. How many of you have a yellow tire pressure monitoring light on? You know that light on the dashboard that with the little yellow dotted circle around it with the little exclamation point in the middle? And you say, gee, what the heck is that? That's tire pressure monitoring. That's been in cars for the past 10 years or so, maybe a little bit longer depending upon model year, because it was deemed necessary as per the federal government. They decided, hey, we're not checking our tire pressure often enough. We're going to make you do it. We're going to give you a light to annoy you. And it's pretty clear cut. It's pretty simple. You look at the door placard and the, you know, your little tire sticker, tire pressure door placard on the driver's door. It's federal law that it's there. And it tells you that the tire pressure has to be 32 pounds. And you understand that that's 32 pounds at about 68 degrees because tire pressure does change with temperature, right? It goes up or down a pound, up or down, depending upon which way the temperature is going. You lose a pound um, one way or the other for every 10 degrees of temperature change. And it's one of those frustrations now that we as technicians and you as vehicle owners have to deal with. And it just seems like the ways and the weird ways that tire pressure lights can come on just don't change. It's just a continuing evolution. Had three cars this week. Some of it I've seen before. One I had not seen, but it was always on my mind, could it happen, and it did. The first one the tire pressure light was on, and it was pretty easy to do. I, I, I looked at all the tires, and they all seemed to be inflated enough. And I physically checked, and I found two tires at 46 pounds and two tires at 34 pounds. And this particular car set the light because the difference between the back and the front, the pressure was supposed to be 34, but somebody set it to 46, and it was enough of a pressure difference that it saw the high pressure and said, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong with these other two, or vice versa. But whichever the case, there was enough of a pressure differential that it turned on the light, and once we set tire pressure correctly, we were okay. 
that's I've seen that one before. That's not that's not that common anymore. The second one was a vehicle that had the tire pressure light on, and I'm not saying blinking, and we should define that. A TPMS light or a tire pressure monitoring system light that is blinking. You know, you start it up and it goes blink, 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 and it might blink longer, it might blink less depending upon the manufacturer, but it blinks a couple of times and then it stays on steady. That is a fault in the system. 99% of the time, you've got a bad sensor, you've got a bad control module, something needs to be relearned. That is a mechanical or hardware or software fault. I'm talking about you you start it up, you turn the key on, and the light comes on and stays on and doesn't blink. That's generally low tire pressure. Remember that. There'll be no fault codes in the system. There's nothing out of the ordinary to look at, except you may or may not see it by looking at a scan tool in terms of what pressure the sensors are actually reporting. But that's usually a low pressure condition. So the second vehicle had a solid tire pressure monitoring light. Just on, staring me in the face. Went through the four tires. Nope. Everybody's got equal pressure. The door placard said 34. Everybody was at 35. I'm okay with that. The system's okay with that. Yeah, it was the spare, the spare tire that was under the car that had never been checked in 10 years, I'm guessing, because it looks like it had never been down. The spare tire only had 19 pounds of air in it. Crawled under the car, found where the stem was, got the reverse extender on there, put some air in the tire, drove it, reset it. We're good. Funny, when I talked to the customer, she said, you know, that tire pressure light has been on for the better part of seven years, and nobody could explain to me why that light was on, and I just I just never paid it any attention, which really is bad, because now we've taught this, this, this woman for the past seven years to ignore warning lights on the dashboard, which you know I don't like, and it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's just teaching you to ignore something, a warning sign, and just, eh, just drive anyway. Don't worry about it. I explained to her about the spare, and she got it. She, it, you know, from now on, she knows. And I said, "Listen, if the light comes back again in a short period of time, and since it's never been off the car, my guess is the rim is porous or it's leaking at the bead. We'll take it down. We'll fix it. We'll clean it up." She's great. That's fine. We'll do that. Okay. The third car was the hook this week. So we had a vehicle come in, a 2005 Toyota Corolla. With a tire pressure light on, 212,000 miles. I'm sorry, 2010. It was a 2010. A 2010 Toyota Corolla with 205,000 miles on it and a TPMS light on. Solid. Checked it. The left front tire was low on air. Gee, why is the tire low on air? Is there a leak? You know, stuck it in the tank. We love the tire tank. We've talked about this, you and I. The tire tank's the best tool in the shop. It doesn't cost you anything. There's no maintenance. There's nothing to do. You stick it with water, and you keep looking, and it'll tell you everything. It's like it's like the swami of all tools. It tells you everything that's going on, brother. And it never breaks. There's no electronics. There's no software updates. I love the tire tank. Sure enough, there was a leak at the valve stem right around the base of the wheel. So some corrosion had gotten onto the stem. It, you know, over time, the, we, we road salt everything to death here in the Northeast and other parts of the country. And we needed a tire pressure sensor replaced because the stem is part of the sensor. Changed the sensor. Learned the system. Registered the sensor. Calibrated it. Looked at it on a scan tool. Yep, it's reporting correct pressure. 34 PSI. Drove the car. The light's out. Hey, this is great. The light's out. 
drove the car around the block, came back to the shop, pulled in, the light comes on. Hmm. Now I must have missed something. I must have not calibrated this right, or I did something wrong. Went back over everything, verified the part number on the sensor, verified the procedure, verified the calibration, verified that it was reading the correct serial number in the tool, in the scan tool. The light went out, went for another ride. Went for a ride, the light's out, came back to the shop, the light pops on again. Hmm, this is getting a little bit more than just frustrating. Went through this three times, you know. And then I remember the definition of insanity. The definition of insanity is continue to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. So I said, I've got to look elsewhere. There's, there's something here that's, that, that I'm not seeing. And I had always wondered about what actually fixed and what was wrong with this car, if it could really happen. I took the old sensor out of the garbage and took the tire pressure sensor tool. And the tire pressure sensor tool sends out a wake-up signal to each individual sensor. So you point it at the tire. In this case, I pointed at the sensor in my hand and, um, you know, woke it up. And the sensor is still red. And the serial number on that sensor, for the sake of our conversation, was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And when you clone, because we clone sensors now, there's smart sensors in the marketplace. It's a process where you take the old sensor, put it into a, 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 a device that will record that serial number, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Take that out, put the new sensor in, it'll clone that serial number, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. So the car's computer thinks it's seeing electronically the same sensor. Now, I've never seen this, and, but it happened, and I can tell you it happened. The garbage can was right next to the front office of the shop, and the, the shop's like a typical three-bay repair shop. It's, you know, it's three bays wide. When I came back from the road test, I was parking on the far side of the building, out of the way, because I wanted to final check the car in this area that we designate, and it's you know, it's just, it's off to the side. It's, let's see, the bays are what? The bays are 15 feet wide, 26 feet, 20. So we were about 75 feet away from the front door of the shop by that garbage can. Do you know that sensor was transmitting a signal to the vehicle 75 feet away and confusing the onboard computer, I finally caught it because I looked at it on a scan tool, and all of a sudden, I saw minimum pressure on that sensor drop from 27 PSI down to 2, which is what they normally see when they're, the vehicle has got a flat tire. Took the sensor, and this is where it really got to be kind of, it, it, it was a little bit funny at this point because I didn't want to destroy it because what if I was wrong in the theory? So we have a good customer at the shop, Kathy. Um, she's like the shop mom. And um, we drove it over to Kathy's house, which is two miles away. Imagine the look on her face. There she is in her, in her, in her housewife bathrobe thing going on, you know, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Here, hold this. Rang the doorbell. She came to the door wearing her fluffies. And uh, here, hold this. And um, we left. And called her later and explained what was going on, that we're not insane. Here, hold this dirty old part for a minute. What else would you do? You know, we got back to the shop. The car's fixed. Now, you figure that one out, right? How good is a TPMS system? And it makes you wonder because, you, you know, I've heard of this. I've never seen it until this week. 
But I've heard of this happening with other places, and they talk about how some sensors will continue to broadcast and broadcast at a very great distance. Good thing Kathy was there two miles away. In any event, that car is fixed. Three cases of how TPMS systems can fail and go wrong. Something for you to keep in mind. Remember, when that light comes on, it's seeing low tire pressure if it's on solid, and there's a very good reason for it. You just have to figure it out. 855-560-9900. Ron and the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Oh, no. I know what this is. Ron and the car doctor here. This is Walt's theme music. You know, how often does a caller have to call in to get his own theme music on a radio show? Walt from Maui. Welcome back, sir. What's going on? Hey, aloha, Ron. Well, thank you, sir. Um, you got okay, your own I'm going to read you, you real you, quick what my email was, okay? You, you, you know, Walt, you got your own theme music now. It's uh, you know, we're gonna I, have I'm to, impressed. We're going to have to call this the Walt from Maui uh, segment of the show. So, do we get yeah, the do we get the weather today? I know I'm going to have to join the union if this keeps up. Yeah, absolutely. We want our dues. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're going to send Vinny with the bat out to collect him. This is Jersey. Um, go ahead. Read, 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 <laughs> I've heard of that. Yeah, read me your email, brother. Okay, it says, sorry, I'm back again. <laughs> no, it's never a sorry to hear from you, Walter. Uh, okay, it's a, a 2005 Dodge Neon 2.0 liter. It's got a, a DTC of P. Two zero seven four turbo car. Symptoms are: Is this a turbo car? No, non-turbo. Non-turbo. Okay. Uh, okay. The symptoms on startup: It goes, it revs up immediately to thirty six hundred RPM, hits that, then returns to fifteen hundred RPM and stays there. The car runs, but idle never goes below fifteen hundred RPM. On start, it always goes to thirty six and drops down to fifteen. Okay. Idle is very rough. Uh, tested the uh, manifold absolute pressure sensor with some information I found on YouTube, and it checked okay. Uh, there's no visual signs, or I can't hear any vacuum leaks, but I didn't know where to hook my vacuum pump up to test the overall vacuum on the car. And uh, that's where I am right now. You, got a, you have a scan tool, don't you? Yes, I do. I have a very good one that Santa Claus gave me. That's right. I remember that. Why don't we go use the scan tool? Why don't we go okay. see? Why don't we? When the car warmed up and it's idling high, why don't we see what fuel trim is? Right. If okay. if, if fuel trim is is beyond plus ten percent, so if we're seeing short and long term fuel trim, and I got a feeling you're going to see twenty five percent long term fuel trim and probably ten or fifteen percent short term fuel trim, we know we've got a vacuum leak. Something's causing this car to run lean, so the computer is adding fuel to it. So on that assumption, then we've got to go and find the vacuum leak. The vacuum leak could be anything from a crack in an intake air duct hose, if it's after, if, this, if the vehicle were mass airflow sensor equipped, which I don't think in 05 it was, but... It is not. It is not, but you get the idea. It's an MAP. Right, it's a MAP car. Um, but we could also stop and think, you know, could we have a canister problem? We've got to start to block off vacuum lines coming off the intake manifold. Does it, have a, does it have a power brake booster? How does the brake pedal feel? Does it feel like it's got power assist all the time? Could we have a leaking booster causing the car to run lean and, and play with the idle speed? You know, let's start to let's start to use the scan tool a little bit. Let's let's get okay, used I, to the I've data stream that numbers. Far and you're almost right on the money on what the uh, short and long term fuel trim were. Yeah. So, you know, if we're seeing twenty five and fifteen percent fuel trim, that's forty percent. That car is running forty percent above stock base values. Something's making this car run lean. Right? Okay. You got any propane in a bottle? 
Yes, I do. You have the little adapter on the end, the way I described you to make the kit with the little uh, bleed device? Uh, can... Yeah, I've got a tube that's been flattened on the yep. end. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we feed the car a little... Very sophisticated. Pro- yeah, listen, high-tech is what I'm all about, brother. Just make it simple <laughs> and make it work. So why don't we shoot a little propane into the car and watch fuel trim at the same time? If okay. our If our theory is right, we should see fuel trims come down. We might even see the idle speed come down a little bit. But at least we know the car has the ability to react to propane. Okay. And then what we pr- I tried that with uh, carburetor cleaner. Nah, it's, it's, it carb clean is too volatile and it causes a different kind of reaction. Pro- okay. Propane is a true fuel. Number one, number two, you can meter it. That's the whole idea with the knob on the bottle and the pinched brake line. Right. You can get it down to a very small orifice, a very small type of type of fuel enrichment. But the beauty part there with the propane is that you can watch it slowly over time. You're not trying to spray and look and, you know, it's just mm-hmm. set the propane bottle, kind of forget about it for a second and watch the scan tool and see where it goes. All right? Now, if, okay. it, if it does come down, then withdraw the propane. Let the idle speed go back up. Why don't we go hunting with the propane? Set it to a very small leak and start to kind of Use it like a whiffed it around, and, you know, does it get drawn in anywhere? Do we see the RPM? Once you know what a propane-enriched fuel trim is going to look like, then you'll be able to determine if you, because you, know you know what good looks like at that point, right? And yes. it, it, you pull the propane out, and it goes that back up to 25 and 15% fuel trim. Now, if all of a sudden you're sniffing around the intake or down around by the canister or over by the brake booster... All of a sudden, fuel trim starts to change. You're in the neighborhood, brother. Start knocking on doors. All right, Walter? If there's a vacuum leak. Well, I'm thinking there's a vacuum leak here, too. Um, You know, but that's where I think you want to chase. And then, uh, you know, we we can talk more. I've got some other information for you. I'll shoot it out to you in an email about voltages for MAP and TPS. All right? You take good care, Walter. I'll shoot that out to you after the show today. I'm Ron Anady, the car doctor. We are back right after this. Car Doctor here. Got a good attitude, ready to rock and roll and fix cars at 855-560-9900. Let's get over to Dave and up there in Holyoke, Mass, and uh, see what's going on here. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Car Doctor. Dave? Hi. Hey, Dave. How are you? Hi, this is Dave. What's going on? I have a 1989 Bulls Tornado Trofeo. Oh, you have the... I have an information... You, yeah. You have the last one left. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And what's going on? Uh, I have an info- I have an information screen in the middle of the dash that tells you everything about the whole operation of the car. Plus, it controls your your temperature, your whether heat up and down, yep. charging. You know the whole nine yards. Yeah, oh yeah, that was everything. that that was a big deal for GM in the eighties. That was the that, oh yeah that, that was that yeah. was one of the first ones. Yeah, it was the first one I believe with the CRT screens in the middle of the dashboard. Yeah. It, yeah, and I I bought this car from California. They they brought it to me, delivered it to me from California. It only had forty thousand miles on it. It's been in the garage for ten years. Right. It's a beautiful car. 
everything worked. The screen even worked when I first got it, but it, it died. And so I'm looking for a screen from anybody. It's got to be an 89. I know they, they still had the screen up until 92 or something like that, but I don't know if they fit. But I have an 89. Okay. And I would love the screen. I don't care if it's brand new. Or I don't want junk. But right. Uh, I'll, I'll give you my email. is Slobby Dave, S-W-A-B-B-Y. I'll tell you what, Dave. Let's do this the other way. If you send me your email, I'll give it to you. I'll give you mine. Um, and this way, okay. I, want to, I want. Let me do it this way. If anybody out there can help, Dave, eighty-nine old Tornado Trofeo with the CRT screen in the middle, um, send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com, Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. Spell out doctor. And Dave, by the same token, you know, you send me your email, and this way I can put you in touch with if we get any responses. But the other thing I want to mention is, you know, at one point GM had separate individual repair centers set up around the country. I know here in the Northeast, Model Electronics is the name of the outfit that's real big here. Um, I believe they're up and down the eastern seaboard. And I don't know, I don't know if they can fix that anymore, but, you know, it, it'd be worth... I know Model Electronics is out on the web. Um, it would be worth trying to contact them to see if they offer any insight. Yeah, well, the only trouble with that is I, I'd have to take it out, and you got to take the whole dash apart, and I... I actually need the car because it's the only car I have right gotcha. now. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I need to get a new one to replace it. And then even if I sent that other the old one out to be fixed, just in case, it yeah. would be well worth it. Yeah. I'll tell you that the, the tragedy with those cars. I remember when they came out. That system first came out in '86 for the '87 model year, if I remember it right. And, oh, did it? Yeah. Yeah. They were in Buicks. Um, I can I can testify to that because uh, someone I know owned a Buick dealer at the time. And when those cars came out, my gosh, they were just in such demand. They were the hottest things going. And within yeah. within three months, um, after a couple of people noticed that, you know, their people started watching the TV screen. <laughs> you know, this was right. this was the pre this was the precursor to texting, and they weren't paying oh, attention. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, a lot of those cars are gone because you'd look down to adjust your heater radio, and you found yourself. I don't know. The tree jumped into the road, officer. I don't know what really happened. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, like, oops. Um, you know, you could tell everybody with a CRT screen had a damaged front fender because they kept hitting things. Uh, right. You know, I went the, to the Buick dealer, and they, they told me, and he turned me on to a few leads. In fact, he turned me on to you guys. Okay. Well, let's so see. he didn't have any information yeah. Buick-wise or anything like yeah. that, but he did turn me on to a few. And, you but, know. but I remember by the end of the model year run that year, because um, those cars didn't sell well. I remember towards the end of the first first generation of that, the Buick dealer had better than 30 cars sitting on the back lot, and I don't know whatever happened to them. I don't know if GM took them back or they got dispersed to other dealerships. But, um, yeah, that was that was not a very popular... Uh, you know, not a very popular option for some people. After a while, they found the oh, that was that was awesome. I yeah. love mine. I mean, yeah. it, it told you everything. I thought everything. it was a neat idea, but I've got to tell you, I remember saying to myself thirty years ago when these came out, somebody's going to have this problem someday, and you know, here you are. I didn't, I didn't realize I'd be doing yeah. it on national radio at this level, but um, no, but you know, it's, it's you know the thing that's funny. That's the original equipment, and it ran that long. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, and the other I mean, thing, the car was in the garage for the last ten years, but I mean, the, you know, it still worked when I got the car. Here's the, here's the thing you got to think about. You got to extrapolate this a little bit, right? So, right. not just with your car, but think about all the computer modules that are in all the cars now. 
I know so, it. I know it. So let's go forward seven years, eight okay. years, nine years, ten years. You think when the TPMS module goes bad on somebody's late model Toyota or Ford or GM, whatever it is, they're going to be able right. to get one? How long can the manufacturers keep up providing support on the amount of electronics that are in cars today? Oh, I know it. I know it. And still maintain a profit. I, yeah. You know, I'm amazed that you can get the volume of inventory and parts for the cars that you can at the current level. I actually called Nissan yesterday. I'll tell you a quick story. I've got a customer with okay. a 98 Nissan Maxima, a 98. Think about that. The car's 21 model right. years old because the 19s are out. A 98. Yeah. I needed front dust shields, the shield that sits on the inside of the front brake rotors. Right. Still available. I ordered them. Wow. I, wow. I, I wanted a Nissan factory mass airflow sensor. Still available. Yeah. I ordered it. Oh, my God. I wanted headlamp assemblies because we don't, I don't really like aftermarket headlamp assemblies. They don't refract light right, and they just never seem to look right. Unfortunately, right. Even, even talking to Nissan and the obsolete division, not available. But two out of three is not bad. Uh, you know, 21, no, no. 21 years old. Um, I know it. It's, yeah, Oldsmobile has a hotline still, but I couldn't, I wasn't, you know, no satisfaction there. Yeah, I, you know, it's a shame. I have a friend, Kenny Wasmer. I haven't talked to Kenny in a while. Kenny and I went to high school together, uh -huh. so, you know, you do the math. I, uh, a few years ago. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he, he's retired, so you start thinking about this. I'll never forget that we had a conversation a year, a year and a half ago. He retired from GM as, a, as an upper-level chassis engineer he'd been with gm his entire career 35 40 years whatever the heck it was and he, right. he told me one day I, I he came to the shop one day and we had a conversation about gm and you know how'd you make it through the bankruptcy and you know in 2008 and all that and he said i gotta mm -hmm. tell you it was really interesting he said we had a cut down on the number of warehouses we had think about this a minute you know he said he said we had a cut down on the number of warehouses we had from whatever we had, we're now down to six or seven major parts warehouses around Detroit that house the GM parts collection and vintage parts assortment. Oh, my God. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you know, we're General Motors. He said, in theory, we could go out and rebuild any vehicle we've ever made in the last 80 years from existing parts we still have in stock. We just don't release to the All public. Right. That's unbelievable. That's insane. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, of course, I wanted to know, could I get a 55 Chevy Bel Air four-door with factory air? But, you know, we <laughs> that's just me. Um, so let's see what we can do for you here, Davey. If, if, if I come across something interesting, I'll send it your way. You send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Check out Model Electronics. And, you know, obviously, I'm sure you've been to eBay and, 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 and those type of things. You've looked out on the web. Yeah. 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 Okay. And uh, let's see if we can help you out here. All right, sir. You now you don't have my email address because I did send it to you, but that's okay. I'll resend it. Yeah, resend it. I, I didn't see it, so just make sure you're sending to Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. Okay. All okay. right, sir. You're very welcome, Dave. Good luck to you. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Great chat, huh? God, CRT cars. I forgot all about them. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. 
one on the Indian the car doctor. You know, real quick, well, before we go to Ben in Rhode Island, the reason the CRTs, the touch screens, were, were, were so damaging, in a sense, on the GM cars back in the 80s, there was no tactile feel. It was a flat screen tube. So you're driving along. Oh, let me change the heat. It physically required you taking your eye off the road to look down and... Where's the heat function? Oh, yeah, it's over here. You couldn't reach down, which is why I always say to each and every one of you when you talk about buying a new car, always make sure you look at it. You know, if you can you feel buttons? Can you feel the screen, the software changes? You know, very important that you're able to reach and touch things with your hands, and your hands become your eyes in a sense, so you don't have to take your eyes off the road. Uh, but that was the downfall of those cars. Let's go over to Ben in Rhode Island. Ben, thank you, 85 Volvo 240. Uh, what's going on here, sir? What can I do to help? Hey, Ron, I have uh, less of a car mechanical issue and more of a car mechanic issue. Okay. <laughs> um, long story short, um, I bought um, an 85 240. It had uh, basically a bad clutch, and it turned out a bad clutch fork. Um, brought it to a mechanic I had some relationship with, and he replaced the clutch and the clutch fork, got the car back, shifted really well was kind of noisy. It, I suspected it was a transmission issue, and I told him um, to be very aggressive if he had any um, concerns about the transmission to just, you know, if he already got it out, just let's put another one in if, if, you know, it makes any sense. So long story short, I bring the car back to him, you know, with a complaint about um, the noise, and then also the heater control valve was clearly wide open. There was just heat on all the time at 100 and million degrees. Um, I was asking for a quote on new seats and then asking for a quote on air conditioning. Long story short, I get the car back. Um, heater control valve is still wide open. Heat's still hot all the time. Um, car is way less noisy. Um, he said he didn't do anything to address the noise, but um, suspiciously the car is, like, really less noisy. Um, he put new seats in at $300.00. He had told me that they matched the car and they were in perfect condition. And it turns out they didn't match the car. It wasn't in perfect condition. And then with the AC, I got the car back, driving into my driveway. The power steering failed. Um, I open up the hood. The um, tensioning rod is, like, disconnected. There's, like, hardware missing. Um, the belt to the AC pump is, like, beyond bone tight. Um and so I, I went back to talk to him, and I actually just dropped the seats off. I found another pair of seats for $40. Um, I dropped the old seats off and said, you know, listen, there's a lot of issues. I'd like $300 back for the used seats that you gave me. He refused. He said, I'll give you $300 in store credit, which, you know, I don't want because I don't want him touching my car ever again. Right. Um, but, you know, I sent him a long letter. Um explaining all of this, um, and at this point, I happened to pay with a card, so somebody did suggest to me to just dispute the $300 because I did return the seats in, you know, perfect condition. So there's a part of it where, like, I he, you know, in my opinion, he kind of messed up the car, and I've had to, you know, fix all the things that it, I replaced the heater control valve, and I fixed the belts, and um, took the seats out and got reasonably priced seats that were just as good um so i think you know my from my standpoint i'm like gee can i at least get 300 bucks back for seats that i didn't want that i'm returning in exactly the same condition as i got them um so i'm trying to figure out what to do like if i should just go forward with disputing the track 
transaction with a credit card company or if I should, I don't know, try to get, you know, some parts out of them or some credit to, you know, IPD or Euro parts or, or somewhere okay. that I will eventually me, use, but I'd rather get the cash back. At this yeah, point. let me, let me, let me jump in here, Ben. So, sure. um, you know, real quick, we're going to, and then we're going to pull over and take a pause and I'll come back to you. Um, you know, is, is this your regular mechanic? No, not really. No, I, the whole process of buying the car, I bought it for 700 and, and I know he works specifically on 240s basically. Right. And so I know he knows the cars. And, um, so I, I had a relationship with him cause I was actually going to buy a car from him, but the timing didn't work out basically. And I ended up getting this other one. Um, so other than, you know, yeah, this experience. No, I don't. There's no other so, trust. I mean, I did have a reasonable experience with him the first time around where he did at least fix the shifting issues, which was the complaint. Right. Um, you know, was, I brought him the car. Was the heat a problem when you brought him the car for the clutch? It was, but I actually did not know that at the time. That was not, okay. a, not a complaint that I brought up. I mean, he may have noticed it, but didn't tell me. I, okay. you know, so. I'll tell you what, Ben, sit tight. Judge Ron... Judge Judy, whatever, same thing. I'll be back right after this. We'll talk about it. Ron and Annie, the car doctor. Don't anybody go away. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Annie, the car doctor. Ben, Rhode Island, you're still there, sir. Um, so I, I think this is a conversation about you got to decide how aggravated you want to be. All right? I, I don't think you want to go back to this guy. I get that. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say you should even try. I think what you, I think your, 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 your positive takeaway is, you needed a clutch. He put a clutch in. He did the job. All right. 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 Um, you know your issue is with the seats. The heat was broken beforehand. It sounds like the car's got some other issues going on that I don't know that he necessarily created from our conversation, but maybe he should have noticed. It's 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 easy to it's easy to criticize from my seat. I've 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 been in the position of the other you know the other side, and I I you know maybe he missed it. It just might be as simple as that. Um, some more details about the AC. Like he said, he put in a new AC pump, uh, a, a you know a compressor, um, and that's what he told me he did. And then he told me the uh, evaporator was clogged, and he was going to have to tear the dash out, and didn't recommend to do that. So you know, I've been sort of poking around and testing things, and it turns out the compressor in there is bad, which I actually knew from the previous owner that the compressor was bad. So I have a like wacky theory that he put in the new compressor, you know, system didn't work, and he wanted to keep his good compressor. He took it out. He never charged me for a compressor on right. the bill, even right. though he told me he put one in. So it's just like there's so – it's like I don't even know where to begin with the inconsistencies. And I feel like he just slapped the old compressor back in. They didn't pay attention to tightening right. belts and, and or anything. Perfectly and good example. Back in. So, so here's the scenario. you got to decide, you know what, I, I think – I think I'd push the button on the $300 for the seats. You know what? Unless it was uh, expressly explained to you that they're non-refundable, that it's, you know, once you buy it, you own it kind of a thing, and only you know that answer, then it's time to go back to the credit card company and protest it and get your money back and take it from there. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.